It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 53. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. We're talking Golden Gopher basketball in this week's episode with great insight from two very familiar voices in Minnesota. First, we'll hear from the 2022 Minnesota Sportscaster of the Year, newly crowned, very deserving, Corey Provis. He's best known as the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, and yes, there are a few things to talk about with him on that front, and we will, but he's also getting his fill of Big Ten athletics as a top-notch television television broadcaster on the Big Ten Network, and he's been a busy man calling a ton of Big Ten hoops games already, so we'll get his insight on the Gopher team, the Big Ten basketball picture, some of his favorite Big Ten venues, and yes, we'll fit in some baseball talk. Corey Provis on episode 53 is coming up. You'll also hear from my broadcast partner, Spencer Tollickson from the Gopher Radio Network. We'll get the former Minnesota Mr. Basketball's thoughts on the season and the Big Ten to this point. As always, our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Hey, make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. I'm so happy to have the podcast associated with those great folks at True North and appreciate their commitment to our show. The leadership group headed by Brian Slipka is all about servant leadership impacting the community. The Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm is also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. Like the Gophers, Affinity Plus, fundamentally sound with preparation, focus, and follow-through. Affinity Plus, a local Minnesota Credit Union providing all your banking needs, including a top-ranked mobile app. And talk about community involvement, they've got it, including great work with Special Olympics Minnesota, as well as being top supporters of Gopher Athletics. Log on to affinityplus.org slash gogophers for more info. Our podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. Tony's a big-time Gopher fan. And a reminder, as usual, we're podcasting from the Aquarius Home Services studio for episode 50. I also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. It's free to click that subscribe button. You can listen for free at any time as well. You can go back and listen to previous podcasts, including last week's show, where we had one of my favorite interviews yet on this Go Gopher podcast, talking with one of our all-time favorites, Tanner Morgan, the winningest quarterback in Gopher football history. Go back and have a listen. I know you'll enjoy it. This week, though, we're talking Golden Gopher basketball. It's the Go Gopher podcast, episode 53, and batting leadoff, yes, baseball vanilla for the radio voice of the Twins, Corey Provis, also from the Big Ten Network, and here's my conversation with him. It's episode number 53, the Go Gopher podcast. Last January, in one of the first handful of episodes, we had Corey Provis on the show, the voice of the Twins on the radio here in Minnesota, and then, of course, regionally, the best known for his work with BTN, both football and men's basketball. And uh, here this January, we can introduce him as the 2022 Minnesota Sportscaster of the Year. Corey, good to see you and congratulations. A well-deserved honor. Thank you, my friend. And as I've told uh, you this many times over the years, and I don't mind sharing uh, with everybody, you're, you're, you're the best in town. So that means a lot coming from you. Uh, I have always admired your work. You've become a great friend since uh, since I've been in Minneapolis now more than a decade. But 
Coming from you, that means a lot, Grimmer, because uh, you call one heck of a game. You're, you're a great broadcaster, better person. But coming from you, that means a lot. Well, you're too kind. Uh, you're the guy. And we're going to be like those chipmunks on the cartoons. No, no, no. You're the you're the guy. No, no, no. You're the guy. But um, we actually we have a we, you know in this town there are a lot of good sports broadcasters. So an award like that is meaningful and certainly well deserved. And congratulations on that. And we have our sports writing buddies uh, Pat Roycey, who um, I'm going to use a PJism for Patrick because I know he's a big fan, but uh, uh, he has changed his best and won Minnesota Sports Writer of the Year this year. And uh, our buddy Andy Greeter, who does cover the Gophers in both football and basketball as well. And I know you run into those guys both uh, at at Target Field and uh, at Williams Arena or wherever you might be broadcasting. But anyway, congratulations, tip of the cap to all of those guys. Uh, We're going to talk some twins with you here in a minute, because as we talk, you're you're literally in the house you grew up in in Chicago, getting ready for Northwestern and Rutgers men's basketball tomorrow night. This is Tuesday late afternoon as we're talking. I'm in our uh, studio here. And um, so breaking news just a few hours ago with the Twins, Carlos Correa. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's the Go Gopher podcast. So let's talk some basketball first with uh, Corey Provis, who now, how many Gopher games have you worked? It's got to be three, four, five games. And it's got to be good. You, 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 You hop in your car, you drive to the barn, you get the game in, and you get to go home. No flights, no hotel beautiful right so I, I used to so unlike you know football the, the television schedule it, it, it can it can always change it's not set in stone sometimes it's it's a six-day pick sometimes it's two weeks basketball the television schedule is is predetermined and I used to joke with Richard Patino all the time and I said look you're gonna hate to hear this but the worse the expectations are for you, the better it is for me. Because if people don't think, if experts don't think that the Golden Gophers are going to be very good in, in college basketball, that means Big Ten Network is going to have the majority of their games. And I love that uh, for that reason, Grimmer, is that I, I just I love going to the barn anyway. But uh, if it keeps me out of the airport for, for an extra day or two, uh, I'm always going to jump at that chance. So I've had the, I've had the Gophers quite a bit. Um, and it's certainly I've seen this team improve. I've had them enough now where I look back. I did the Michigan game, the Mississippi State game, and they were not competitive. They, they were blown out in those games. But if you're looking for signs of progress and I'm not I'm not a big believer in, in moral victories, but you can't deny the fact this team is improving because they have been much more competitive. A three point loss at Madison a two-point overtime loss against Nebraska. That was a fantastic game. The crowd was awesome at the barn. So to me, they're making strides. And, um, you know, Dawson Garcia is looking like a guy that's settling into his role. Um, You know, Jamison Battle, it's clear what the opposing teams are doing, right? They're taking their best defender, and he's going to be on battle the entire game. And seeing if this team, which has struggled to score, can get somebody else to do that. And I thought the game that that Torres Samuels had uh, against Nebraska was fantastic. I thought he came up with some big shots. You know, a, a, an experienced player. You know, handles the ball well. So I, you know, they lost the game, but that really was fun. That was a fun afternoon of basketball at the barn, despite that overtime loss against the Huskers. Yeah, and I think those four freshmen. Um 
in a weird way, uh, I don't think Ben is going to come right out and say it because I think he wanted to get a win. But that Alcorn State cancellation might have been a blessing in disguise a little bit because now instead of worrying about scouting reports in the you know that December time period and uh, you know trying to get a win and all those things, they had three or four straight solid days of just practice and work on their own stuff. And I think what you're seeing in terms of progress, I mean, we're all seeing, but I think that stretch helped where. Because you know, when you you go to these shootarounds, once you get into a Big Ten season, you're playing twice a week, sometimes you know three times in nine days or what have you, and it's really there are no practice times. There's nothing where you can get ten guys out there and work. It's a scouting report. It's well, we got to keep fresh legs, and so I do think that stretch, even though they wanted to get that game and probably get a likely win, I think it might have been a blessing in disguise because they had three or four good days of practice there. They let the guys go home for a couple of days on the holiday, and then came back and had another couple of days of uh, preparation, and it looks to me like you said it. Wisconsin, um, they got down 15, but uh, really aggressive rebounding, and uh, sometimes that's what you need for freshmen, right? Those four guys, just just practice time and just get better. I thought Jaden Henley was a guy that started early in the season, then his minutes were, were, were kind of going away, but I thought he played you know, some great minutes in the second half uh, against Nebraska. That was a good sign. You you could see the potential with Pharrell Payne. He's going to be he's going to be a tough matchup. You could see the size, the strength, and you know Ben Johnson has told us a few times that that they, that they have dared him to be great. That's what they have said of this young man in, in film session in practice to dominate to to use that that size and and let the opposing teams know that th- this is my space. This this is my ball. This is my rim. And I have the size to move some bodies. So you see, you know, steps with him. And uh, Ola Joseph, I think, is going to be a good player. I think Carrington's got a sweet shot. That's all going to come around. The, the, the one concern, I'm sure this is the issue that, that not just the issue, one of them, but if not, it has to be near the top of the list for Ben is he's got this exciting young class. He's got a great class coming in with Christie and, Ev- and Evans. These guys are going to be really good pieces but will all these guys stay? Yeah, that's what I'm sure you know keeps him up at night. You know, who's to say that everybody in his mind, if he has all this collection of youthful talent at the same time, it's probably going to help and it's going to work, and you're going to see you know strides and improvement. But Grimmer, who knows? Right. Who knows if all those pieces are still going to be here a year from now? If guys are going to are going to go on the portal, uh, NIL is, is calling elsewhere, and I'm sure those. Are, are, are images that Ben and his staff, you know, don't want to think about, but they have to. And yeah. that's that's today's game. Yeah, and even on the flip side of that, let's say that they do all stick around, and it is exciting. You probably still need to go find an impact transfer or two, and if they all stick around, you don't have room for for that. So it's in a weird way. Um, that's what coaches have to deal with now. Uh, the good side, uh, there's always a flip side to it. So, oh, it's great. They all stay, but I probably, if I really want to be competitive, need one or two more impact guys. Right. You know, go get another Dawson Garcia who's played high major college basketball but if they all come back i have no scholarships and right you know so it's a it's a it's an interesting thing when you're trying now in this day and age to to build a program i i doubt you will see ben johnson anytime soon once again have a, a new class with four freshmen right i can't see him doing that anymore two maybe three max grimmer and then everybody else is, is from the portal because these guys want to win yeah, I mean, and, and and you think, okay, this is going to be a tough year, but next year will be better. But 
10 years ago, I, you, you could think like that, but not anymore. I mean, not anymore because you just cannot guarantee that the guys you do have are going to stay to be a part of that, that next journey. No doubt. And as it continues to go, as you know, the Big Ten is not an easy league to build in. And Fred Hoiberg commented last year in our pregame interview about that, that, you know, even at Nebraska. And now I thought that their team, uh, Nebraska, played a really good game the other day. And obviously they've got some nice wins over Creighton and such. And, you know, uh, Fred went through some struggles in those first three years trying to, you know, assemble a roster. And it's hard in the Big Ten. And he mentioned that in the pregame show. He's like, it, it is hard. You know, who are you going to jump? If you're if you're kind of trying to mire yourself out of that bottom, and and so that's the challenge in this day and age of uh, of trying to uh, to do that and continue to rack up, uh, you know, impact players are going to help. So that's the challenge. And also, what what Ned Hoiberg is a good cop here because it's not that he just added guys, but he added guys that that won, that have been at the tournament or or played, you know, big minutes in their conference tournaments, and adding a, a Bandamel from SMU and a Juwan Gary from Alabama. These guys have postseason experience, so I think that was done by design, is to add guys not just who come from Power Five programs, but who did experience winning. Yeah, and, and know what that feels like and how they can help lead a younger crop of players into that last month, those last few weeks when maybe you're not used to it. So I think that is that was done by design when when he looked at the portal and, and added the pieces that he did. You mentioned you love uh, doing games in Minneapolis. I would guess the next best consolation is doing games in your hometown of the Chicagoland area. You're uh, in your childhood home. I, I guess I should, I don't know if you grew up how, when when your uh, your mom and dad uh, are in the houses. We're doing this over tape where you're at uh, when you moved in. But uh, you got to love going back to Chicago. I would think and go see Northwestern and it's Rutgers as we tape. It's Tuesday that game will be tomorrow on btn but uh got to be fun to get back to the windy city yeah i, I love coming here because i have still have so many you know family and friends uh that, that live in the area uh, you know my in-laws are 15 minutes away uh, my, my wife and i are from neighboring suburbs so i do i do love coming back here um i, I don't come here too often um but i part of the charm of doing big 10 basketball and you know, I just do Big Ten basketball. I don't do any of their conferences, the arenas. I mean, these are cathedrals in our in our sport, you know, Grimmer. So going to Assembly Hall and, and going to the Breslin Center and going to Mackey. I mean, Mackey is my favorite. It's crazy, I isn't it? Hope, every, hope everybody understands. I mean, I love the barn, but there, nothing beats Mackey Arena. I mean, that place is incredible. And uh, the, the, the team is always good. And I think Purdue is probably – not sure how you feel about this, but I think right now the only Final Four, I think, possibility in the Big Ten is Purdue. I think even though with the loss to Rutgers, I still think they're the class of the Big Ten. But then, shoot, two through 13, two through 12, any any given night, a team a team could, could beat them. So I think the parity is fantastic. Is it, is it as top-heavy as it's been in the past? Probably not, but I think Purdue is clearly, clearly, you know, the top dog, the uh, top dog in the league this season. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And they, um, for whatever reason, even through all those great years of Gene Cady and now Matt Painter's been there, what 16, 17 seasons. Um, for whatever reason, they've been short circuited at, at varying points of the NCAA tournament. Nineteen eighty, their last uh, Final Four appearance when Lee Rose was the head coach um, and Joe Barry Carroll was their starting center. So. Um, here we are, and this is another opportunity for them to uh, potentially make it. And let's face it, they were picked 
fifth, sixth, seventh in the league. And, you know, they lost Ivy and, and some others, uh, Williams, and people weren't sure, but they have the most dominant big man in the country, and the kid just continues to get better. I mean, he supplanted uh, uh, Ivy we're talking about, uh, not Ivy, uh, Edie we're talking about now, uh, supplanted the first-team All-Big Ten center the year before in Travion Williams was first-team All-Big Ten, and by the middle of the following year, he wasn't even starting on that team. So I agree. I think that team's the, the best chance for a Final Four. If a different Big Ten team makes a Final Four, it will be, you know, is old magic. You know, something will happen where the bracket will fall right, and he just has those guys playing in March. So if that happened, would it shock me? No, but you're right. I wouldn't put them on the list of 15 teams that, you know, as of now, I wouldn't put them on a list of, you know, the 15 teams that you would put on a normal list that, hey, here's a, the group that's going to go. But if, you know, if Izzo would carry a team there, fine. Or if, you know, Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. Now, that team's got to get going because they're in a yeah. little bit of trouble. But let's say they all get healthy and play. Could they make a run? Probably. Rutgers defends. You know, they all got to make the tournament first. But, no, Purdue, I think you're right, is the team in the Big Ten right now that. Um, and, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, he's dealing with, I think, a bit of a, a bad back that's been nagging him, but still had, what, 18 points and 24 rebounds yeah. in the loss against Northwestern a few days ago. So he's an incredible talent. Uh, so I think Indiana certainly has has some guys that could that could make a deep run of the tournament. But right now, I, I think it's Purdue uh, clearly, clearly above every other team in the Big Ten. Yep, I agree. And then you got all these, you mentioned, like two through wherever, um, like a Rutgers. You know, they beat Purdue. Um, they have some great games. And then, then, then Iowa, who had lost to Nebraska, and you weren't sure after they had that hot start, they blew out Iowa State in a non-conference game. And you're thinking, man, these Hawkeyes might have it. And then Patrick McCaffrey, um, you know, says, hey, I, I just got to step away for a minute, and we feel for him. Uh, the, the, the pressure that all these kids are now under with social media and TV and everything else that goes on with it, message board, and, and who knows what else. I, I totally understand it, and I'm glad that there are players now comfortable enough in struggling to say, hey, I, I need some help here, and, and it's happening all over the country in terms of the, the resources being put forth, and that Big Ten's been in the forefront. But all of a sudden, Iowa's now won a couple in a row. They, they, they had that great comeback against Indiana, and then they go out to Rutgers and win in a place the rack, uh, I guess is Jersey Mike's now, but that's another hard place yeah. to go win, and uh, it's a cool place. you got to bring your own little lantern to, to see in that place <laughs> if you're going to broadcast, but you got to do it. But it's a it's a cool spot. It's a weird spot. It reminds me of a little mini NASCAR track. The way those bleachers are so tall and 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 you know one set. It's not like an upper deck or a lower deck. But um, so I called games. games there in college because I when I was in, when yeah. I was in Syracuse, Rutgers was in the Big East, so it was always a blast going there for for Big East basketball. Uh, it, it's 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 small. It gets hot in there. You know, they can have a day where, you know, it's in February and it's rather balmy outside, but they still have the heat going and they can't really adjust that. Um, and Steve Peichel is, is 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 incredible. I mean, Steve Peichel is he's going to be a Big Ten coach of the year at some point here. Should May be yeah. this year. Uh, I think what Chris Collins is doing, I think that's the surprise to me, Grimmer. First place of the Big Ten yeah. is, is Northwestern. I mean, they have got they're three and one going to their game against Rutgers. And they've got great road wins. They got a road win at Indiana, a road win at Michigan State. And for a guy who's been, who's on the hot seat, I mean, everybody kind of knew that going in with a new AD at Northwestern. Uh, this is Chris Collins' 10th year. And that trip to the NCAA tournament seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. Uh, but he's got, he's got a really good team, a veteran team that is playing pretty well. And if they beat Rutgers... Northwestern could be ranked. Yeah, They could be ranked this time next week, which they haven't been ranked in about, what, four or five years. Right, and they're in most of the mock 
brackets right now, or, or at least you know in that group of being considered. And you think about what they did. If I'm not, if I'm, you know, and I always I follow it, but until the Gophers play a team, it's hard to really dive into it. But if, I, I think I'm correct in this, in that they lost a trans, a grad transfer, or, or or portal transfer to Duke and North Carolina. Yeah. And now yeah, it was Pete P. Nance and Ryan Young. Yeah, both yeah. to Duke and both North guys, Carolina. Yeah, and now, now they're in first place. They lose two guys yeah. to Duke and North Carolina, and they're in first place. Crazy. Yeah, Chase, Chase Audij. I mean, Chase Audij had six deals in the yeah. game against Indiana. And to me, he's in that top five right now, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He's a problem. And, you know, they they have this new uh, staff that, that, that Chris Collins put together, and they really turned things around defensively. Uh, they're, they're ranked very high in the conference and nationally in many key defensive categories. And they haven't been a good offensive team, but they put up 84 the other night uh, in Bloomington. But defense has been their calling card this year. Yeah, it's been fun. And it, like you say, it's balanced. Everybody's going to have a challenge. Uh, there are no, like the old, in the old days, there, there was, you know, a, a get well game. Uh, Greg Gard told me a few years ago in a pregame interview uh, at Wisconsin that him and Bo Ryan, they, you know, the coaches wouldn't publicly say it, but they, yeah, you know, hey, uh, we're struggling a little. We need a get well game. And Rutgers would come to town or Northwestern. And I suppose, and, you know, people could look and say the Gophers might be a get well game, but it wasn't for a Greg Gard last week. They did get a win, but it wasn't an easy one. And I'm not suggesting, this was years ago, I'm not suggesting Greg Gard was suggesting that for this time around, but there are no get-well games. You know, you look back at the, you know, Rutgers and Northwestern in the old days, and there were some other, you know, Nebraska. Uh, none of those are get-well games. You're going to have a battle. Minnesota is going to battle you, I'm telling you. I mean, they're not going to get a lot of wins, it looks like, but they're going to they're gonna give you a battle here. I'm, I'm going to be at the barn on Monday for the Illinois game. Yeah. And that, that's no walk in the park there. I mean, Illinois... No doubt struggling, but had a nice win against Wisconsin a few nights ago. Um, you know, but, but, but yeah, I would imagine that that's not a gimme. Yep. Yeah, Illinois is going to be favored, but, you know, the Gophers, they, they, they've been playing better. And to go back to the point that we touched on at the top, where I mean, you, can't, you can't say they're not improving. I mean, they're just being much more competitive in these games. And to me, that, that's a solid sign of progress. Real quickly before we uh, shift gears uh, to uh, Twins baseball here, because I, I know there are a lot of baseball fans uh, that are very excited about the news as we record that broke earlier today. Um, you mentioned Mackey Arena, and I agree right now, best home court edge maybe in the country, but they, you know, uh, and you've been there where they've got everyone with these the cell phone mobile app that the starting lineups and it's flashing and all kinds of different things and um, it's loud, the band's right in your ear, right? At, if you're on the road bench, the band's right there and you can't hear anything. And, one, and they're smart fans. Indiana, of course, a basket. It's like hockey here, in, uh, basketball in Indiana. Everybody knows about it. Uh, Hoosier fans, too, um, very smart. They know when to scream. They know when to boo. They know when to cheer. Um, and so you mentioned Mackie Arena. Give me a little ranking, maybe a top five. Uh, and I'm not asking best, hardest place to play, best home court edge, but maybe your favorite spots to go visit due to whatever reason you want to throw into the criteria of your top five places to go uh, watch a basketball game in the Big Ten. Yeah, Mackey is one. I think that that's that's my favorite. Assembly Hall in Bloomington um, is special. So if you just get a chance to go there and, and – I'm more biased when I get a chance to go to these places for conference games because it has a whole different feel than it does for a for a December non-conference game. But you know, being in Bloomington, uh, you know, even you know, I'm not talking about a blue blood Big Ten battle. It, it could be a Nebraska game, Penn State, and I've seen the visiting team win there. Yep. Uh, in league play, that's special. I, I love the barn for a a Gopher Badger game. 
I, I think that place is so fun for that matchup. And it, it's it's not 50-50 in terms of the fan base, but it's it's probably 60-40. Yeah. You know, I'd say 65-35 because there are so many Wisconsin fans and alums that live in the area that you see it, you hear it. And I think that's, that's really special. Uh, and then just from a personal standpoint, because I get a chance to do games with guys like Robbie Hummel and, and Sean Morris and Stephen Bardo and, but going to, to Champagne with Stephen Bardo and just seeing how much he is revered and how much he is beloved by ushers, by fans and parents and coaches and players, especially so that's part of, you know, part of the fun for me is getting a chance to do these games with my friends, but back at their alma mater and seeing that, you know, they hadn't played in decades, but they're still remembered well. And uh, I think that's that's really cool. And I joke with, you know, going back to Mackey, but doing a game at, at Purdue with Robbie Hummel, <laughs> every time I think of coming to America, you know, and Eddie Murphy and throwing flower petals <laughs> at his feet, because that's what it reminds me of doing a game with Robbie. I mean, he's got better parking than Painter at that place. So um, th- those those are the arenas and gyms. And I, the Breslin Center to me is cool, too, for a conference game. Uh, the, the student section uh, right off the floor, you know, they, they get into it, too, a little bit. So, there are, there are many, uh, there are many, but those are some of the venues that come to mind. Yeah, that top five is exactly my top five. Uh, this, those five, absolutely. Um, and I would think you probably got a little soft spot in your heart going back to Chicago. It doesn't, though, atmosphere rank in there when you go to a Northwestern game. And I have the same because I have family still in Iowa. I enjoy, and I grew up going to games, as you as you, you know, many know, I grew up there, uh, going to games there. It's not a great arena. It is a good home court edge. It can get loud, but, um, but that's not going to crack the top five. But I do enjoy that visit back there just to see friends, family and, uh, you know, old buddies. So here's why. And again, this is this is broadcaster problem 101. Right. So at at, at Carver Hawkeye, we're, we've got a great seat center of the floor uh, right on the floor. But when the ball goes in the corners, we're a little bit back. Yeah. And if there are fans standing up, you can't see you right. can't, if there's a ball down that near sideline. Remember, you cannot You're see right. the player. And if they're standing up and the moment's good, so at that moment, we're like everybody else. We're watching the monitor. Yep. You know, we're like, we're there, but we can't see. Uh, unless, I, you know, I go on Sean's shoulders, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't see the floor. So that that's that to me, we, that's why they, they didn't make my top five. Just little things like yes, that. right. And they're, you know, they're big problems. Yeah. But that's why Carver Hawkeye did not make my top five. Yeah, it does become, uh, when you think of it from the broadcast perspective, and TV's a little different than radio, you guys get right at half court almost at all the places courtside. I don't like to do courtside games. I've talked about this before because they usually put us right next to the gopher bench and while I love seeing the action um, you know, and nobody cares about us, nor should they, but you've got Ed Hightower standing in front of us or Ben Johnson or Richard Pitino, whoever, Tubby Smith whoever the coach has been, and they stand in front and and then certain spots I don't know if it's because of how long the scoring table is, where the bench is um, you know, the floor obviously is the same size anywhere, but I joked with Spencer Tollickson after the game at Mary Maryland last year that I literally saw half the game. Like, like there were times where I had no idea who even made the, sh- you know, who even took the shot because between the ref and 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 again, Ben doesn't care about radio, nor should he. I'm not suggesting that, but where he has chosen strategically to stand, where he's comfortable standing, just happens yeah. to be at Maryland, uh, right in front of uh, where Spencer and I sit. So uh, I prefer yeah, up off the floor a little. 
You mentioned Maryland, and I hope that Kevin Willard brings Maryland back because that was a place, too, when Maryland was just joining the Big Ten. Yeah, right. But when they were throwing out Melo Trimble and, you know, Rashid Suleiman and Jake Lehman and and studs, great players, yeah. and 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 the fans behind the basket, they, they'd unfurled at the state flag. Yeah, they got that. They call it the that, hill or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So when Maryland is going right and they capture that DMV area and they have all that – talent in that area to recruit when maryland is is a big deal it's a it's a big deal for the big 10 it's a big deal for college basketball because that 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 was a great venue when when they're playing well when they're a top 15 top 10 yep. top 20 team you know they, they come out and really support that team well yeah hard hard place to win for sure all right so you're on tv tomorrow as we record tuesday you're on wednesday night btn uh, northwestern and rutgers who are you working with Robbie Hummel, Robbie who Hummel. did two games on Sunday. Jeez, the guy header, did huh? uh, he did the he did the uh, Rutgers Iowa game in Jersey. Yeah, and then I think he had a fancy car ride uh, down. I think I guess I ninety five or something. And then he was at the Palestra. Oh, for Purdue Penn and State, Penn Purdue. State. Yeah, so he had uh, he did two games in, in one day back on Sunday. So sadly, I think he's only doing one. Yeah. I think so. I think he's just doing our game uh, tomorrow night, but I'll find out. Yeah, well, baseball baseball vernacular with the voice of the Twins, a doubleheader of sorts, a twin bill, a yeah. twin bill for uh, Robbie Hummel. Well, let's quickly talk some Twins baseball. Again, as we talk, it's late Tuesday afternoon, uh, just before lunchtime, uh, Minnesota time on Tuesday. The Twins, uh, well, n- nobody's made any announcement, but leaks have been made, and uh, there's been an agreement of terms as we speak now. This is what we know. Uh, the Terms are six years, $300 million. The twin shortstop from last year, Carlos Correa, after flirting and agreeing to terms with two other teams for longer-term deals, um, has decided that uh, Minnesota is now, through all of that, the best bet. Your initial reaction, and I'm guessing you had maybe heard a few rumblings that it may be leading to this, but what was your thought uh, when you heard that news? You said six for $200 million, unless you broke something, right? Oh, what did six I say? Did you I said say, Oh, no, million. not 300 No, okay. that'd be, that'd be the right. highest-paid player in the history of any yeah. Thing outside right, of soccer or Formula like, One, you know, yeah. Spencer Tollick's and yeah. money there. Yes, then, no, no, no. I'm sorry. If I said 300, I meant you're right. Okay. Six and 200, correct. Six for two. I am stunned. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I don't see how, and if indeed this deal comes to fruition, how can a Twins fan say this is a bad thing? This is wonderful. This is a great, great signing that the Twins, if indeed this happens, locked up one of the best players in the game during his prime years because that's always been the concern right you, you pay these, these massive contracts all these years knowing that the front end you better cash in because the back end it's going to be a problem well those back end years are vesting options and and if indeed those those options do vest the numbers still reflect the age of the player so carlos is going to make the most money during his prime years of this six-year guaranteed contract with no opt-outs I think this is fantastic, you know, theoretically to have, you know, Buxton for the next six years, seven years, whatever, in center and have Correa for the next six years and not worried about an opt out. I mean, those are two stars to be on the field, we hope, uh, on a daily basis, on a nightly basis, you know, and for the next six years. This is fantastic. It doesn't solve every problem. But if indeed this deal, you know, is finalized, you know, Grimmer, this is a fantastic day. Uh, in, in terms of Minnesota Twins baseball and Twins territory, locking up a guy that 
I, I didn't see a path for this. I didn't. And credit Derek Falvey and, and Thad Levine and the Polad family and Dave St. Peter. It's it's a lot of money, but they they came up with a way creatively to up the annual average value, but condense the length of the deal. And if you're a small to mid market team with the, with the Twins are, it's hard to have those twelve year deals. And then not get much back. Other teams can kind of, you know, write that off with their with their television contracts and other ways that they make revenue. Twins can't do that right now. So I think it's fantastic. If indeed this, this deal does happen, it's an outstanding signing by uh, by the front office. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and obviously you have a little more inside knowledge in terms of, you mentioned he's one of the best players in the game. It, just talking with people peripherally, but you're around it, you travel with the team, you're you know in the dugout before games watching batting practice. It sounds like Carlos Correa is the real deal from a teammate standpoint and uh, and, and just as a, as a guy standpoint. Is that right? Yes, and he is incredibly analytically driven. So if you're going to come at him with some baseball conversation, you just can't lean on batting average, home runs, and RBI. You better be ready to throw out, you know, weighted runs created plus, OPS plus, DRS, outs above average. That's what he does. He studies baseball savant, and he studies fan graphs. He looks at reference and all that too, but this is a guy that spends a lot of time looking at his advanced numbers, his exit velocity, his launch angle. And if you saw last season, you know, Correa would often, for a pitcher-catcher meeting at the mound during the middle of an opposing players at bat, that he would be, you know, a focal point of that conversation. And he would listen to what the pitcher and catcher were debating. It could be a 1-1 count, a 2-1 count. And he would say, no, that's a bad idea. Do you know what this guy's OPS is on a slider? with a 2-1 count. He knew that. Yeah. He he could kind of go with that information at that moment and that's that's not the norm. And the one head scratcher for me during this whole process with the Mets my the last game of the season last year Twins finished in Chicago. And I had a chance to have a one-on-one with Correa in the dugout at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field and we spoke for a half hour and maybe I don't know 5-8 minutes of it aired <laughs> during the pregame show. And one of the topics he raised was how excited he was to play short come 2023 with the shift restrictions now in place to be an athlete, to make those plays in the hole, to make that play up the middle. And going to New York with the Mets, he was going to be deprived of that outside of a Lindor injury or a day off. He was going to play third base. And he was going to do that because the Mets are the super team, certainly could win it all, still could. Uh, Lindor's one of his buddies, you know, two guys from Puerto Rico. So he was going to sacrifice a position. He's so good at playing and he loves to play in order to put himself in a better spot to win. Now, I can't argue that 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 thinking, but I, I know there's a part of him that he is thrilled that he's going to be a shortstop. Yeah. You know, he's you know six four, tall shortstop in Twins history. And when it's all said and done, he'll be the best shortstop in Twins history, barring you know, a, you know, a catastrophic injury here that sidelines him for years. He will be the best shortstop, you know, by far in Twins history with what he can do because he can make plays that that the average twin shortstop previously, no knock and some great players, some world champions. But but I think they would tell you that what Correa could do, they, they could. So it's going to be he's a special player. He's a leader. He's a winner. And uh, a guy that has a great postseason pedigree. Yes, you can't dismiss 17 part of that that cheating Astros team. But 
not just 17. Look at his postseason numbers outside that 17 season. This guy has done it on the biggest stage many, many times. Yeah, and you mentioned his uh, his knack or his uh, knowledge of the game, and I get a kick because in postgame interviews, he'll actually cite some of those stats about whatever this and that, and I got the biggest kick out of, I think it was when the Twins traded for Tyler Malley, and he was asked about it, and he's citing like uh, swing and miss rate and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It was like, yeah, I think he's second in the National League in swing and miss rate and high fast Ball is great and all this stuff and I'm like this it's incredible that the yeah knowledge so that guys. was his baseball savant page what he was talking about and if you look at a player's profile you want to be in the red yeah so red you're in the you're in the higher percentile of, of various categories and I think what he said was that with Tyler Malley's like I don't know much about it but I went to his baseball savant page and I saw a lot of red <laughs> and, and and that's a good thing <laughs> no doubt well uh, we I've kept you way way too long I promised you know a few minutes and now here we are uh, chatting but you're you're always compelling so we appreciate it uh, and I know twins fans listening are now saying this is awesome but are they gonna be able to add any pitching and that's my last question for you uh, are you comfortable with what they've got now both starting and bullpen and do you think there's still some moves to make before Fort Myers hits here I hope so I hope so I think the one the, you know, there are a few, but I think what, what Derek and Thad and his group, and I think they would not shy away from this because it is factual. What they have really struggled with since they took over is drafting and developing their own homegrown starting pitching. Now, have we seen a little bit of that wave come with, with Louis Varland, uh, you know, you know, one of those guys, Bailey Ober? Uh, are we seeing some of that? I know Joe Ryan was drafted by Tampa Bay, but, you know, he came along, you know, late in his career, in his minor league career after the trade with the race for Nelson Cruz. So I think that's what they're hoping that they can still hit on. Now, many of their top pitching prospects just have not gotten the ball, you know, in the last couple of years, no minor league season in 2020. uh, And then injuries popped up for, for a variety of guys. So I think that's the area of concern is that still, do they have enough pitching? I feel okay about the bullpen. I feel like the bullpen, I feel pretty good about. I mean, with, with Joan Duran and, and Jorge Lopez, they got some power back there. And Griffin yep. Jacks had a really good season. Here's a guy, and I saw a video of him. I think he hit 100 miles an hour, you know, doing one of his weighted throwing sessions in Arizona. So I think there is, I think there's potential there in the bullpen. I feel good about that. Um, but I think starting pitching, they still need to add. And I, you know, I, I still have, you know, I look at the position players, and they have more guys than spots. Like I, I I'm still not sold if. If Kepler's going to be on this team, you know, three months from now, because, you know, Trevor Larnick, I think he's going to be on the team. Alex Kirilov, to me, is a big year for him, Grimmer. I mean, he's had this wrist injury, and that's that's a scary one. Yep. For a guy that is a natural hitter who has a great swing, you know, he's almost had two lost seasons now with a bad wrist, and he had kind of a unique procedure on that wrist um, at the end or during the middle of last season that, that ended his year. I don't know where he's at in his recovery. So, there are there are some big names that we've seen and heard about, but where are they at? Royce Lewis, hopefully he can come back. What a treat that was to watch uh, last season before he got hurt again. He won't be ready opening day, but maybe the second half of the year we get a chance to see uh, Royce back with the team. But yeah, still pitching, still pitching is is where this team uh, has to has to improve upon. Cleveland's awesome. Uh, they've just got they've got a great farm system. They've got young arms. They got great young talent. And they didn't need to add much to their team. And they, they added Josh Bell to be a slugging first baseman. That's a good pickup for them. 
the White Sox, you know, they still have talent. They still have, you know, they still have talent. I, I was hoping that Andrew Benatendi was going to sign outside the division because he kills the Twins. Kills them. <laughs> he does. No matter then with the Red Sox, the Royals, it doesn't matter. He kills us. So I was hoping that guy wouldn't see him, uh, you know, now it's 14 times, not 19 times anymore. So we'll see the White Sox 14 times. But but the Twins certainly, they, they can win this division. I mean, bringing Correa back, if indeed this happens, this absolutely can be a team that can win the division in 2023. Well, very good. Man, like I said, I kept you too long, but it's always great stuff. You're a uh, you're a machine, brother. We appreciate it. Congrats again on the award, and uh, good luck on the broadcast tomorrow. We'll look forward to seeing you next Monday at Williams Arena. See you at the barn on Monday, Grimmer. Thanks, pal. All right. He's Corey Provis, Minnesota Sportscaster of the Year. It's the Go Gopher Podcast episode number 53. My thanks to the talented Corey Provis for coming on the podcast and talking ball. Basket and base. Time for a break. When we come back, it'll be my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast my Gopher Radio Network partner, Spencer Tollickson. He's next. I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utech, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors. With more brokers, buyers, and offers, Sunbelt gets owners 15% more than the market average. Learn more about this True North company at sunbeltminnesota.com. Hi, Gopher fans. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. We are looking for diehard Gopher fans to join our sales team and our internship team. If you want to join a winning culture and become a good neighbor today, head over to our website at champlininsurance.com and apply online today. Welcome back. Go Gopher Podcast, episode number 53, making a return to the podcast. Our buddy Spencer Tollickson, Gopher Radio Network, former Golden Gopher big man, and Mr. Basketball Minnesota 2000 what, Spencer? 2004. You're dating me now, Grimmer. Yeah, 2004. Yeah. Yeah, 2004, Mr. Basketball. We'll keep going with that. Man, you're an old man. There's no question. Not as, not as old as your partner, but uh, but you're still getting old. There's for sure. There's no doubt about that. 17 years for me here uh, at the Gopher Radio Network, and that means, if my math's right, 14 years now, you and I working together uh, on the Gopher broadcast, which is pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Um, you know, it's been an interesting time. We've certainly seen our fair share of, of a few ups and plenty of downs. Um, gosh, has it been 14 years? It's amazing how much, just looking back, not only like how much the team and the program specifically has evolved, but, uh, you know, your kids are now in college and out of college. And I have kids. And, you know, when I started doing this, it was two years out of school. So it's just crazy that it's, it's really been 13 going on 14 years now. Um, like I said, we've seen a, uh, seen a lot. It's been pretty cool. I think for me, the coolest thing about all of it is is the obvious. Is just still staying connected to to the excuse me to the program and, and to the university. Um, uh, it's been it's been awesome. Some of the places that we've gotten to call games in already. Um, it's it's been fun. I'm looking forward to, to many more years to come. Trevor. Yeah, no, no, no question. And it has been fun seeing, um, you know, going, you know, when you, over the course of 17 years, it's a that's a long time now in relative terms. And so, uh, I, even in my own career, I've gone from being the young guy that uh, people thought, oh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to mentor this guy, to now, uh, you know, I've turned into the old guy that's now looking at the, you know, the Tanner Hoops of the world and the JGs and the Spencer Tollickson's trying to as best I can help them along. You know, if they want. 
to listen or, or if they think my ideas are any good, as you know, sure. they're not always great, but um, it is it is fun. And now you've got, you know, your family. Uh, when we first started, you had uh, plenty of girlfriends, no wives and no uh, no kids. And now uh, you're, you have a family and it's so cool to see uh, all of that go. And as you mentioned, my kids are now, they're both out of college now, believe it or not. And here we go. So that part's been fun. We've been to Madison Square Garden. We've been to the Bahamas. We've been to Anaheim, California. Of course, we've been to all the great spots in the Big Ten, and um, and and here Hawaii. we are, Hawaii. You're right, Puerto Rico. Um, yeah. You know, Florida State about 19 times, but uh, you know, there's worse <laughs> worse places to go for the Big Ten ACC challenge than Tallahassee. Is that that was always fun as well? So yeah, we've had some fun and crazy times over uh, over the course of of time. 2023 now is the calendar year. The Golden Gophers are looking for win number one. We're talking win number one in the Big Ten, um, and we're talking on Tuesday here for the podcast. Uh, folks will likely be listening to this later in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, or on, and Gophers sure. will play in Ohio State on Thursday night, and Spencer and I will have that broadcast. Uh, right now, your initial impressions when you watch uh, this Golden Gopher team play right now, uh, and especially maybe since the turn of the calendar year, uh, the Gophers are 0-2, but two, I think, uh, pretty tightly contested games that personally, uh, they're showing some progress here. Yeah, yeah. I- you know, it's unfortunate in terms of expectations. We're at this point in the season where we're, we're having these these topics of conversation, but but they are relevant. And in when the season's gone the way it has, um, I think you have to look at what's to improve, but also recognize um, the progress and and the guys that are getting better in in the way that they've played in the last few days. I or last few games, excuse me. I thought coming out of the game against Wisconsin. Look, say what you want about the turnovers, and they they will clean them up, and they did clean them up. They proved that they can in the contest against Nebraska. But that game against Wisconsin was really the first time that I was confident and comfortable leaving that game going, man, that that team looked like last year's team. That team looked hungry. That team looked like they had a chip on their shoulder. Sure, it it was ugly at times, but that's how last year's team – played and that's how we had been accustomed to to seeing them play um so i'll I'll say that going into the nebraska game there was there was that on my mind would they be able to sort of continue that sort of uh toughness and 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 juice as ben johnson refers to it and i think they did um now unfortunately you have to learn at the same time as losing um, which is very difficult, but but I think that if Ben focuses on the positives and, and getting back to sure the stuff they have to clean ju- clean up, but the non intangibles, just playing really really hard, trying to outwork guys, getting those fifty fifty balls. Grimmer, how many times have we referred to in the last few calls versus the previous calls? Minnesota getting to more 50-50 balls or at least getting being the first one on the floor to those. I think if you focus on those those type of um, spots, if you will, yeah. for lack of a better way to say it, during the game, I, I, I think there is something to build off of, um, particularly with, with, with Jameson Battle, um, Dawson Garcia, as well as Pharrell Payne, and even, even these young guys. I think uh, JOJ, Joshua Ola-Joseph has played – I mean, who knew that he'd step into the role that he's is this year as a true freshman? So yeah, might that have, said, Mike, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it might have been his best game against Nebraska. He had, what, 10 or 12 right. points in the, all in the second half or overtime and got his first assist of the season, which that, that uh, you know, took a while. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hopefully that's, the, the you know, the first that of a few. Chris Humphreys blush. Yeah, but I, my, my thought, too, along that, as you were talking, that, that popped into my mind is, that, you know, to use a hockey term, the compete level. Every time you hear an NHL coach talk, it's like our compete level was good. And there's something to be said for that when you're covering an entire rink and the intensity of the level with which you have to play. And sometimes teams just don't bring it every night, and it's not anything malicious. Sometimes it's not there. I think in the Gophers' case, when you have four freshmen and then you got a couple of transfers from from levels lower than the Big Ten, I, I don't think it was malicious. I think they thought they were playing hard. But I think they're now starting to learn really what compete level is if you want to be in Big Ten games. And they got blown out by Michigan and Purdue in December. They didn't play great um, against Virginia Tech, although there were flashes. There were also times where that compete level right. went away. So I, I do think that they're learning now what that compete level has to be. And obviously the hope now is that that continues to progress. And I think either you or I uh, made the point in the broadcast the other night. It, it's it's just evident or apparent how up and down the freshmen can be yep. and have been. And, and that's just, as expected, right? I mean, as expected. Yet the expectation is that the freshmen this year are going to play a lot of minutes and a lot of those minutes for a lot of those freshmen are going to be really good and really bad. And you're going to have to take the good with the bad. Uh, but that said, you can see progression in Joshua Ola Joseph from the beginning of the year to now. Braden Carrington, even Pharrell Payne. I, I don't know how because Dawson Garcia was so effective in the post against Nebraska, but I'd love to find a way to get Pharrell Payne more minutes just to get him more touches around the basket. Obviously, his free throw shooting hinders that at times in closely contested games, but he puts so much fall pressure on the opposition. But again, going down a rabbit hole, Grimmer, yeah, some of these young guys, it's just so apparent of how up and down the freshman can be. And he has, and and unfortunately for Ben, he has to lean on a lot of freshmen this year. Uh, to play a lot of minutes, but but that should be expected with these freshmen that they're going to be up and down. Yeah, and and you just hope you see continued fight. I, I mentioned with Corey Provis, who was in the segment of this podcast as well, our good friend from BTN and of course from the Twins. Um, that I I think it m- potentially was a blessing in disguise that that Alcorn State game was was called off. Obviously, the Gophers would have loved to have played it, would have loved to have gotten another win just to tack on. Um, you know, I mean, sure. there's no guarantee, but it's likely they were going to win that game, right? Um, but, right. but in hindsight, that might have been, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but in talking with Ben Johnson, and he hasn't said this, this is my own thinking, uh, just in hearing how he explained what they did instead of the game, and they practiced. They practiced for three or four straight days, and they got Christmas time off, then they came back and practiced for another two or three or four more days, and then you could, I thought, see a tangible difference in that energy level uh, with Wisconsin. And as you know, when you get into the season, um, it's hard to practice and get better because you're always worried about a scouting report and do you want a fresh legs yeah. and when that game got gassed um it was luckily it was a you know a day ahead of time and all of a sudden they could go into a different mode and and work on things and i think i mean maybe i'm wrong but just hearing how hey you know they talked about they had competitive games uh scrimmages three on three uh different contest and i i think that maybe in retrospect that might have been a blessing in disguise to get these guys just to get intense and play hard and again nothing of it's malicious 
It's just they have to learn that. It's a, it's a, you know, they think yeah. they're playing hard until all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, Purdue comes out and plays defense on you. And you're like, holy crap, you know, this, this is, this is different. You got to learn it. Yeah. But I do think that practice time over the holidays probably helped them more than a game against Alcorn State might have. That as well as um, being able to understand to your point grimmer the compete level that look we've i've played in this league like you said 13 14 years now intimately close been to every arena seen every team every coach in person i i think it's the old cliche but it, it is an understatement of how hard you have to play in this league and then once you have that then you layer the talent on top of it like playing hard has to be like the baseline, yep. right? Yep. And and you and you look at the Strewsberries at at Penn State and the Painters and and those type of coaches that have established Izzo. what type of what how you at least have to play to compete, and then you layer the talent on top of it. So I think in in that time period there was probably um, there was probably some communication as well as simulation yeah. in practice of how freaking hard you have to play on every possession in this league to even compete or have a chance to compete, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. And then, and then they probably, you know, uh, you know, finally they were all t- kind of together. There was no illness, there was no injury. You know, Carrington missed time, Battle missed time, Garcia was sick, Trayton Thompson missed time, and so yep. about that time they all kind of got healthy. Now that said, they're still sitting at six and eight. They're zero and four in the league. It's not certainly, uh, you know, it's not. Oh, hey, here we go off to the races. But um, the, you know, we're, they're at a point that you ha- that that's what you have to look for is progress. And those freshmen, that core, hopefully stays together. You tack in the recruiting class. Uh, guys progress. Maybe you get another impact transfer or two over the next handful of seasons, and and you see where uh, you know you are. And 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 that that's certainly uh, the goal is to keep progress. Stay with us here. I want to talk for a minute about Affinity Plus. It's your local credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. If you're a current Gopher student or a proud Gopher alum, you are eligible to join a financial that wants to build a meaningful banking relationship and put you first. Meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including right off campus in Minneapolis. To learn more or find another way to connect with Affinity Plus, here's the webpage we want you to go to. AffinityPlus.org slash GoGophers. AffinityPlus.org slash GoGophers. And if you do establish a meaningful banking relationship, please tell them you heard about Affinity Plus on the GoGopher podcast. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Spencer Tollickson with us this segment, GoGopher podcast episode 53. A year ago, Spence, uh, you and I were in East Lansing about this week we did this podcast in our hotel room and we talked about Ben Johnson in year one and at that point it was coming off that 10 and one start, I believe it was, with a with a one conference loss there, uh, an upset against Michigan in, in Ann Arbor, and we talked about the command that we were both a little surprised. Ben Johnson just had uh, immediately this this great command, and now in retrospect, you look back, I still think Ben's got great command. He's learned some things. I think he's coaching better, um, but he doesn't have a bunch of twenty four year olds now on the floor. Uh, he's got a bunch of puppies out there, and and I think we're seeing that as as a difference. When you also cited. You look at last year uh, in terms of, of you know lack of turnovers last year. They didn't have that. A lot of open shots. You know they were out talented many nights, but um, yeah. you know it, it, it's it's a different thing that's happening this year in year two for Ben Johnson as he's trying to build that baseline that you talked about and then you know elevate with talent from from this point forward. 
Yeah, it was, it, it's interesting. It's funny. I was, you know, obviously in preparation for this, but also just thinking, you know, Ohio State this week and thinking about Nebraska um, and last year. And first of all, like last year, they got out to the great start. They were still the 14th seed in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. At, at the end of the 14. day, right. End of the day, it was 14. So, so, so from that perspective, I, I, I certainly thought they'd take a, a further jump forward this year. But thinking about last year's team, Kate Willis had a sneaky, really good year. Again, 14 seed in the Big Ten tournament, didn't get a ton of respect, but he had a really good individual year last year. Yeah. And I think particularly Jamison Battle was really able to feed off Peyton Willis. And maybe that has to do with some of the issues that we've seen Battle have this year. You know, he's never just hasn't really been able to get it going like he did last year. I mean, right. There were two stretches of the season last year uh, where he really had it going, um, and he just hasn't been able to get, really get it going yet this year. Um, but, yeah, again, you, 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 you revert back to Ben really having to lean on a lot of these freshmen um, for a lot of these minutes. But, man, I go back to the, the not having Peyton Willis this year and it just goes underrated because he started, he transferred in here, he sat here, he played, and then he left, and then he came back. Uh, but he had a sneaky good year. Yeah, and unfortunately for Ben, he just doesn't have that this year. Yeah, and, and there are guys, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Talon Cooper is is, you know, a veteran, but he's not played, you know, in a in a in a league like the Big Ten. And I and I like him. I mean, I think he's got some real um, you know, savviness to him. He's amongst the country's leaders in assist. He's shooting the ball better than um his career numbers would indicate. So that that's a positive as well. But um but, even even with, with that, there are times where you know, he had six turnovers in Madison, and your point guard, if you're going to win in, in the Cole Center, your point guard can't have six turnovers. So uh, that's a learning curve as well for that. And and then you're going against other teams, and I don't care what the sport is. We talk about it in football a lot, but if you're 18 and you're going against a 24-year-old and the 18-year-old is more talented, he's going to win some battles, but it's like your older brother. You know, If you're a younger brother, it's hard to go against your older brother physically, mentally, everything. I mean, uh, Walker for Nebraska, who who had a nice game Saturday, probably the player of the game outside of Garcia. He's 25, you know, and he's going against, you know, an 18 year old Pharrell Payne. And, a, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, Dawson's been around, but Garcia's, you know, he's not 25. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, it's a weird comparison. That dude, I mean, like, hold on, Grimmer, that dude is tw- like legit. Yeah. 25 years yeah. old. Yeah. Remember, he started his career at Tennessee, played two years there, had a sit out <laughs> year because back then there was no portal, had a sit out year, went to Nebraska, right. and then played a couple more years yeah. and then got the COVID year. So he is in year six. And yeah, I believe he's 25 um, years old. 25. Is what, uh, yeah. Man. So, you know, look, it's like, you know, remember who was the uh, guard for Wisconsin a few years ago who was 25 as well? Um, names escaping me now, but um, uh, it was. Uh, Trice? Yeah, Trice. His brother played at Michigan State. Yeah. Yep, Trice. He was 25 or 24. He was, I mean, I remember at that time, and that was a while ago, he was like three years older than like D'Angelo Russell or maybe the same age. I can't remember. But anyway, um, but I'm telling you, it's like you go to the- Russell starting for the Wolves. Yeah. We're in our fourth time at the Cole Center against this dude. Yeah. And so that matters. It's And this is a really stupid comparison, and I'm I'm saying it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it's it's not that much different than like some 26-year-old hotshot goes to the why, right? And then there's so, there's always some 44-year-old dude that's going to stick it to him. There just is, right? It, I mean, that <laughs> the old, old matters and and that's where the Gophers got to get. And and look, it, this is an excuse making because, you know, they could 
have prevented it with different roster management or they could have gone a different way. But Ben sure. definitely, as you said, Ben wanted to establish this toughness and the mentality. And now he's really what he has right now this year really should be. And, and I'm not trying to play games with wording or whatever, but this really is a year one situation for him now. This is, you know, last year he got, um, you know, a bunch of old guys just to establish the culture. And now this is really where he's going to dig in and, and be patient and, and get these young guys to learn it and then, you know, ride them for a while while you also add other talent, I think. You know, that's where he's put the position in for the moment. But um, th- there's also no- nothing that says Ben and this staff and this program can't evolve and go out and get a guy or two or three in the portal. I mean, th- th- I've also been thinking just a lot about this in general, about college basketball and coaching and, you know, seeing Tom Izzo on TV and this portal thing and hearing all this stuff. I mean, it, it, it is cliche as it is. It's just different now. Like when I played, yeah. if you, if there were, if you were considering transfer, it was like a black eye, um, a no, no, um, you didn't transfer, and if you did, you there was a penalty for it. Um, and and now it's almost like it's assumed that you were going to play for more than one school throughout your course of the career, because you're going to try to maximize on any you know nil money or any opportunity that might be passed your way. So it's a very it's just very very different. In, with all that in mind, there's an opportunity for Ben and this staff to build the roster in conjunction to what they have next year coming in to go get a transfer. Right. Um, I, I think that is an underrated element uh, with college basketball is this, this, this mentality or expectation that you, you have to wait. You can wait, but there are plenty of programs out there right now um, that in a short period of time through the transfer portal – not necessarily going the high school route that are winning. So um, th- there's there's also opportunities, and yep. we'll see what the staff does, and we'll see the direction that they go. They got a great high school class coming in with the Christie kid and Evans, but there's always going to be opportunities to add pieces. Um, injuries pop up to add pieces to fill out the roster through the transfer portal, which it's just that just didn't exist when I played. It's right. just a very different. Just a different day, man. Just a different game, really. Yeah, even coaches, uh, you know, you know, and you know this. There were coaches who who um, took transfers a lot, and they were always kind of looked at out of the side eyes, right? Like, oh, well, he's relying on transfers. Well, now nobody's thinking that about any coach taking a transfer. So even from that standpoint, coaches certainly way more willing to do that, a hundred percent. And then now the other thing, um, and Provis talked about this in, in in the opening segment from a Gopher standpoint. So he took four freshmen, and that's great. He He's got two coming in. Um, they're full next year. Like if he wants to go get an impact freshman, someone's either going to have to leave or matriculate on. Um, and so that's another area you have to now figure out. And remember, he's got Parker Fox and Isaiah Enan just sitting there for a second straight year. And who knows what kind of impact they may or may not have next year. But that's those are two more guys that are brand new. You know, basically brand new guys to try to add to the mix. And I think most of us think, right, Spence, that Parker Fox would have been a starter this year on this team, probably. Uh, 
and Enon potentially, yeah. you know, and yeah. so you, and, you, you've and, got and those Ian, guys and there. Enon would have played minutes too. No question. Minutes, Might have started. We, we don't know. Could have right. started. Uh, wouldn't have been right. shocking if he did. Unlikely, but it wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, this guy's starting. Uh, you know, right. we, we saw some flashes, but I think Fox probably was a starter on this team last year and this year if he's around. Unfortunately, the the knees didn't cooperate and, um, you know, and, and he's getting, speaking of, you know, <laughs> getting up there, uh, he he's aging and if he plays next year, he's going to be one of the oldest guys in the country and that is a benefit. You add that guy overnight, you're just better, right? And so there's some things to talk about uh, from that standpoint. Uh, in the immediate term, you and I are going to enjoy nice steak dinner on Wednesday night in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we're going to watch the Gophers and the Buckeyes Thursday and then back home Monday with the Fighting Illini at the barn. And I thought the crowd was good Saturday and let's hope it's a Monday night basketball game with another good crowd uh, at Williams Arena. Yeah, I'll say this. If the other night or the other day, I I should say, the other afternoon, if that's what the baseline is the rest of the year at Williams Arena, I think I can live with that. I think I'm with you. The the crowd wasn't great, but it was good. Yep. Um, It was somewhere around good. And I think with a team that's 0-4 and and 6-8 overall, um, I think you take crowds like that. And I think... Look, it, it wasn't jammed in there, but I, I think there were at times the crowd was certainly engaged and, and the team did indeed feed off the energy that they did provide. Yeah, and no students. Remember, when the students come back, that changes yeah. the whole building, right? So For sure. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Well, sure. hey, uh, we'll see you tomorrow at the airport and uh, look forward to it. Sounds good, Grimmer. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks once again to my good pal Spencer Tollickson for sharing his insights, both from his perspective as a broadcaster and as an alum and former Gopher player. Also, a big shout out to Corey. Provis, our good friend from the Twins and from the BTN. I hope you enjoyed listening to those conversations as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. The Go Gopher podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also proud to be supported by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. Go to affinityplus.org slash go gophers. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcast and right now click the subscribe button to the Go Go for podcast. It's free to listen at any time and share the link on your social media channels so others can listen as well. We'll talk again next week.